one has to understand or be very uh, aware of the fact that we are not masters or we cannot master everything straight away it takes some time and it takes a bit of patience and perseverance welcome to the dental head start podcast i'm your host david keir and this episode we sit down with dr aisha ajaz if you're into dental podcasts, you would have heard Aisha on Dr. Jesse Green's Savvy Dentist podcast multiple times, and that's because she has created multiple practices and a life that she really wants to live. She's balancing multiple parts of her life, and of course, that's a lot of what we talk about. We talk about her journey into practice ownership and then into multiple practices. But more specifically, we try to tie this in with how this works when you have young kids. Aisha has a four and an eight-year-old, and of course, regardless of whether you have kids of your own or or not, you can imagine how hard it is to build a business and a career, but also give the kids the time and attention and love that they need. This is a big reason for why we brought Aisha on. I wanted to talk about this and get a little bit of insights and information for those who have a young family or are looking to have a young family, but also want to juggle their career and business. So naturally, when you talk about career and business, we start to talk about things like personal development and then that led into a few topics about giving back. And these are topics that are really important to us here at Dental Head Start. And if you stick around to the end of this podcast, we have Erica updating us on what we're doing with giving and other projects and things to do with Dental Head Start. So thank you, Erica, for doing that part. And as always, thank you, Dental Protection Limited, for sponsoring the podcast. It is that time of year where you need to renew your insurance. So if you're doing it, don't miss out on the extra benefits that DPL provide, especially for early stage dentists like us. And Ripe Global and their huge range of education. If you're buying any of that now, it's a tax deduction. So it might be the time to do it before the end of June 30. All right, let's get into the podcast with Dr. Aisha Ajaz. It's that time of year again. Before June 30, we have to renew our indemnity insurance. And when I look for an insurer, I'm looking for someone who's going to be there when I need their help. They're going to act fast and they're going to be by my side so I can practice with confidence. I get all of that from Dental Protection Limited. What I love about them is that they're more than just an insurer. They're actually here to help us, to give us content and support us with medical legal situations. And most importantly, help us avoid these situations. The content they produce is the best content out there from an insurer like them. Renewal notices are out in May. To make sure you get all of these added benefits, sign up by June 30. I can say from personal experience, when you need help, you'll be glad you're with Dental Protection Limited. Thank you, Dental Protection Limited, for supporting me in my career and the Dental Head Start podcast. Dr. Aisha Jazz, welcome to the Dental Head Start podcast. Thank you, David. It's really my pleasure to have you on. Obviously, connected through um, you know mutual mentors and and friends, and um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because we're going to talk a little bit about um, you know your journey, where you're at, but also family, having kids, but balance really is a really important thing, and a few philosophical topics by the sounds of it. Um, so I wanted to first say thank you for taking time out of your Saturday to join us on the on the podcast. Thank you. It's a welcome break. I am legally now allowed to get away from the children and the family and sit here and talk to you. So <laughs> it's it's my pleasure. Thank you. Sometimes change is as good as yes. all <laughs> So um, I want to get a little snapshot. Where where are you at now? So a couple of minutes on just what, what your practices are like, what's your dentistry like, what's your family and things at right now? Sure. Um, so at the moment, we uh, I have uh, three practices. Um, one in regional and two in metropolitan Melbourne. I am working currently about two days a week clinically. 
the rest of the time I spend on my business and on administrative um, tasks. I can imagine it didn't start like that. No. You know, having having three practices and just, you know, working clinically only two days. So um, we'll go through a bit of that sure. journey. But um, tell us, you also obviously, you know, have, have a family. You have a life outside of dentistry as well. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. So I've got two children, um, an eight-year-old going on 16 and a <laughs> nearly four-year-old probably going on two, I think. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got a two-year-old who's going well and truly into the three-nage yeah, okay. stage. So, yeah, yeah. All, we all know about that. <laughs> yes. So, uh, busy life. I um, I do have an unusual setup where um, we live in a big house where I live with my parents and my mother-in-law. So, it's a one big joint family. Oh, wow. Yes. That's wonderful. I, I guess that, that, I guess, in many ways would help a lot. Absolutely. You know, so support, but then also at the same time <laughs> have its own job. You still get asked, where are you going and when are you coming back? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, dentistry, um, tell us about, you know, where, where did you grow up? Was it Melbourne? Um, and how did you get into dentistry? So I uh, came to Melbourne as an international student. My growing up years were um, a bit international. Um, started off in Pakistan, where the family is from, where I was born. Then there were a few years spent in Dubai. Um, and then we moved to a much smaller country called Brunei. Um, did my high schooling there, which was great because um, it was a smaller country. There were teachers from all over the world. I had access to the best of the best um, growing up in uh, and learning how to, you know, le- um, sort of speak a different language. Uh, at that time, did not like it at all, but all of it added on to my um, experiences, really. Um, Brunei, because it was a smaller country, they did not have a university. So the next choice was to pursue um, my higher education and Australia was closest and I always wanted to be there. So at 17, when I uh, finished my um, A-levels, which is the British education system, um, equivalent to year 11, actually, uh, I moved to um, Australia on my own. So I came as an international student. Why did Australia pique your interest? It was the closest. I had a few friends from Australia uh, in Brunei. Um, yeah, so it all worked out. And to be honest, uh, at that time, because uh, it was mainly my mother supporting us, uh, the, the currency exchange rate was the most uh, friendliest. <laughs> uh, we couldn't afford the UK. It was three times and I just did not want to go to US. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so That narrows it down. Absolutely. <laughs> so it was all plus, plus, plus. And I'm so glad I came here. Yeah. So was it an international school that you um, went to as a high school? No, it was a local school. Awesome. And you still got the opportunity to learn English and... and Oh, yeah, because it was the British system. So it was quite intense. It was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, fantastic in hindsight. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. Tell us about why why dentistry? How did you get into that? So my mother is a doctor. Um, so I think there was an influence there um, from the medical side of things. I did not like the fact that she was away at different times of the day or night. Uh, I did not like the night shift, so the emergency on-call uh, bit. So um, I knew I needed, I wanted to do something with medicine. In fact, which is quite, could be embarrassing, but the, one of the highlights in my life was looking at red blood cells under the microscope. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, oh my God, I have reached. <laughs> this is happening finally. So. <laughs> and, uh, you know, dissecting and uh, doing the um uh, the anat- anatomy class in at university were some of my highlights in my life. So yeah, always had a 
thing for the human body, but I just did not want to do night shifts or uh, be at beck and call uh, of the hospital. So when I observed uh, a dentist uh, at one of my appointments, actually, I knew this was something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Working with your hands, you're in healthcare, but no, no weekends and night shifts. Absolutely, I've yes. Definitely heard that on the podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> so you enjoyed your uni years where you, um, you know, you're obviously, um, you've built these three practices and you know, very successful in that regard. Were you always pushing that hard, always getting that success or was it a hard slog? Yeah, I think it was, there was a push there because um, I saw how my mum had to work really hard in supporting all so there's three of us, and she worked really hard in supporting us with our education. Um, all three of us, uh, you know, studied overseas, and there was one person um, providing that uh, income for international education, which is a lot of money. And there were times where I would think that, oh, my God, how is she going to come up with the next payment for my fee, which was not, um, you know, a small amount, uh, and living expenses. However, everything did happen, and never once did she complain about it. So I think there was a drive there just to make sure that I shouldn't be in that position and I should be able to give back to the parents. Yeah, that's that's quite inspiring. And I guess um, would you say that those um, ethics of giving back and and the work, your work ethic has come directly from that? Oh, absolutely. You don't ask questions. You just look after people. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. really, really wonderful. Um, so... Got through uni. Um, was business always part of your plan? Absolutely. So, you know, now I look back at it, I knew it was there. However, I wasn't very focused on it when I came out uh, of university. Um, my first and foremost um, sort of thing to tackle was to get more experience. As we all know, you don't learn enough at university. I mean, you know, you'd be lucky if you get one or two root canals or you get to do one or two crowns really um, in your dental uh, hospital. So um, the main thing was to get as much experience as possible and to try and be financially comfortable if you can. So for that reason, I chose to move to regional. Um, I didn't really move to regional either. I mean, I went to Geelong, um, which was at that time pretty much far away. This was 2004, 2005. Um, and then sort of uh, came out of there, worked up in country region, Seymour and Kilmore. Uh, which are about an hour away from Melbourne. So the practices were busy. I had a steady stream of patients. Uh, At the same time, I could do a variety of different dental procedures. Mm. Yeah, I definitely advocate the same thing. I I live and work regional, um, and I think it's got everything I want from all life perspectives, but then also I'm busy and able to do broad range of, you know, scope. But um, I, I recommend that all the time. You did mention you were looking for experience and, and of course, financial um, independence or freedom, I guess. Um, is that before you went into business? Is that a base and is that something you recommend? I would highly recommend it. I think uh, one has to understand or be very uh, aware of the fact that, um, you know, we are not masters or we cannot master everything straight away. It takes some time and it takes a bit of patience and perseverance. And depending on what you really want to do, if you like the dental aspect of things, you know, you really do have to work hard. And sometimes it is boring and sometimes it is tedious and sometimes it is repetitive. But that is the key. The repetition is the key. So um, in my mind, there was a very um, sort of a loose plan that after five years, I will have my own practice. 
um and uh, main thing was to get as much experience as i could so i worked at two different practices at uh, the same time and they were pretty much regional and i'm so glad i did because yeah there were a variety of procedures i could do there were some mistakes learning from them and uh, there were great wins and also uh, another thing that uh, helped me a lot was just asking a lot of questions and learning and just going and observing some of the senior dentists uh, who were very, very generous with their time. So I just go and nurse for them um, on my days off. I think that's a really, that's a big highlight. It's like someone who goes in on their their personal time to learn and to be mentored. That's how you get true mentorship. Absolutely. I was going to ask, um, clearly you've had some good mentors in your time. Tell us about the ones in, in that time and um, what advice do you have? Because there's obviously people listening who are looking for a mentor or um, or perhaps working in a practice and not feeling they're getting as mentored as they could. Is there any advice or tips you have for them? I think you're, it's very important to have good bosses and bad bosses, to be honest. I've had some very challenging bosses. I wouldn't say bad boss, actually. Let's just scrap that one <laughs> I, because there's no black and white. Everybody uh, you know, has their good and bad points, but there are people who will challenge you a bit, or there are people that you may not agree with. There may be practices that you may feel as an associate, oh, it's not running the way I want it to. But it's so important to sort of hang in there for a little bit and just learn from it. Uh, And I'm so glad I did because there were a lot of things that I made sure that I will not be implementing in my practice. Yeah, sometimes what we see is as much things that we want to emulate and as, and things we may want to avoid. I've definitely learned both from my experiences throughout many practices. Absolutely, and that was re- I found that was very, very important for me uh, as a learning experience. Uh, people who were great influences were um, a lot of senior dentists who would then be very happy for me to just come in and observe, and they were quite... Um, surprised to be honest that uh, somebody would like to come in and just observe them and not demand anything and from my part there was no judgment I just took everything in I did not have the mindset of oh this is not how it's done textbook wise or this is not how we were taught at university I really did not have any preconceived judgment I wiped that slate and I just took it all in. And, you know, after after a while, uh, there were things like composite veneers and, um, you know, how everybody's doing root canals, for example. Everyone has their small little um, uh, tricks and uh, over, over time that they have built up with their experience. So I took all that in and I applied everything and then just picked and chose what suited me over over time. Exactly. That's um. Well, big dental head start started because I was a dental assistant for many years before I became a dentist, and I saw a lot of tips and little pieces of information that you just don't learn at uni. It's impossible for them to teach us all the little ins and outs and tricks and tips, and that's where it originated. So my first thought is for a student go and assist, and then obviously for a dentist, you know, keep your eyes open, try not to keep your head down only on your own work, and that is uh, a little bit hypocritical because I've. But I struggled with that, um, finding the time. So it's all about balance and we're going to talk more about that in a second. I wanted to ask, um, this might put you on a spot a bit, you said you've had some um, you know, great bosses and, and bosses you may not do the same thing. Um, can you think of one or two points on either side, things you wanted to emulate, things you wanted to avoid? Sure. Um, so starting with the bad first, I guess, <laughs> it was little things, Look, not looking after the staff, for example, or not paying them properly, little things, you know, and the girls coming in and complaining about it. And you could see that they were not getting the right um, pay or um, they were not being trusted enough. 
um, to do the ordering or getting the stock from the cupboard. They were all locked up. So it was the little things, not appreciating the hard work that a lot of the um, staff were doing, not trusting me enough where I knew, I mean, uh, I was very much devoted to the practice and to the patients. And there were some ideas that I had, which I thought could help grow, but just being heard and maybe being listened to was not done. Um, So, and micromanaging, which is, I think goes hand in hand with being a dentist. (laughs) So that's an, you know, I think that's the princess and the P test. You are not a dentist if you don't micromanage. (laughs) Exactly. How did you teach yourself not to do too much of that? (laughs) Experiences over time and just, uh, yeah, it was, you know, learning through my mistakes, um, losing some very good people or just getting the feedback from them and being open to feedback. So that was the bad bosses or or sort of the challenging bosses, I would say. Um, The good ones were the ones who were um, very, very happy to share knowledge, take their time to show me things. and also sometimes discuss uh, business. This is how I'm doing it or showing me a little bit of what happens behind the curtain. You know, um, this is how we are planning. This is what we're planning to do. This is why I've taken this decision for the practice. Yeah, I think you can get your team on board a lot easier if you're explaining the why behind yes, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, do you think that's the norm? Because I think a lot of practice owners would feel um, – What's the word? Uh, they would feel that if they give too much away, then they could give a competitive advantage to an associate. I think it's a mix. It really depends. And I think it's such a, it's like uh, everybody is seeking a different thing. So an associate may want to see it, an associate may not want to know. So it really depends on the relationship. Uh, but the most important thing is communication. So from um, the associate and from the principal owner, just to sit down and asking them, what is it that you want to do and what is it that you want, would like me to help you with or help you grow with. Once that, th- yeah, absolutely. And communication. So if I know that an associate of mine would like to just put their head down and work really hard and be the best dentist that they can, um, you know, I will in uh, as much as I can try and help them do that. If there is an associate who'd like to eventually be a business owner, I will help them do that. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's trust and that's it's important. And then they'll do everything they can for you. Um, I want to circle back. Just one last question on those topics. As you said, you wanted to get um, you know, finances in order, I guess, before you start practice. What would you recommend to um, you know, a graduate, a couple of years of experience clinically? But what do you think needs to be in place financially to take that step? Um, I think it would be to try and, first of all, there's two aspects to it. To In order to do great dentistry, you would have to have as much experience and knowledge as you can. So really knowing uh, where and what you want to do. So, for example, there are certain people who would just like to do everything and anything in dentistry, and that's perfectly fine. So making sure that you've mastered a few things and then move on to the next so do your implants, you know, the implants training and then move on to something else. And sometimes it, some people don't want to do it and they're very happy and comfortable doing your bread and butter dentistry with, a, you know, a bit of crowns and general sort of restorations. And that's okay too. You know, you don't have to do orthodontics if you don't like it. So um, it's knowing that. And also at the same time, um, really mastering your communication because you could be the best dentist in the world. Um, who has, uh, you know, uh, sort of sculpted the best grooves and that truth and the best cusps, but 
your patient really does not care at the end of the day <laughs> if you are not treating them nicely. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is uh, being patient. Initially, you're not going to be rolling in money. Um, it will follow provided your communication and your dentistry is good. And being smart with the money because, uh, I mean, that's a personal thing um, is, you know, I didn't go rush out and buy a Mercedes or a BMW for myself. Um, it's being smart with your money. It's knowing where you need to spend it and sort of doing a little check in. Why are you spending it? You don't have to be a Scrooge, but why are you really spending it? Are you buying it so that people can look at you and go, wow, you're amazing? Or is it because you actually really like something? So being very smart with it. So the first thing I did personally was to um, save as much as I could and buy a house because that was was important for me and very grounding for me, to be honest, on a personal level. Um, and yeah, I just did not spend money. Um, you know, I just did not. That was not me. And I thought that helped me a lot. Yeah, it gives you that foundation. I guess Absolutely. in business that crosses over yes. um, because obviously, you know, in business it's about not about just revenue but the profit, what's left over. And if you're spending it all on all the toys, then you're probably not as successful as it looks on the outside. Absolutely. Um, so you wanted to own a practice within five years of graduation. Did you achieve it within five and, and what was the steps? Just after five. So uh, there were small little steps that worked towards it and I think now looking back at it, it all just happened. So I was working for a practice and there was another practice that approached me to work for them. Um, it was owned by a non-dentist. Um, so I ended up becoming uh, sort of a principal dentist, and that was great. It was good uh, confidence boost for me. Um, you know, I was given some authority. At the same time, I took on some responsibility. So I looked after the practice like I would my own. Um, if I was to be critical of myself as an associate, I would say that uh, with that also comes a lot of expectations or if it was my practice I would run it this way and this is not good enough I think what we have to also realize that when you're an associate and I'm talking about myself to be honest is not everything can be done straight away and not everything is smooth sailing there's a lot of hurdles that come in um, to ownership and there's a lot of things that take priority and sometimes we are not privy to that or sometimes we don't see the bigger picture so um if I was to, uh, if I have learned something now looking back, I would have said that I could have been a little bit more patient. At the same time, I think what I did was I um, really invested a lot of time and, uh, you know, I, I looked after the practice. I made sure the patients were looked after. That was the priority. Um, and uh, it was not just about how much money am I, I'm making in this, you know, within this hour or uh, why am I fixing up somebody else's work? It was, you know, uh, I really enjoyed looking after the practice and mm -hmm. that uh, gave me a lot of experience. Would you recommend that? Or obviously, it sounds like it was a good move for you, but there are options to do things like that often in um, corporates. Different corporates have different ways where they have a principal dentist who runs most of the show. Um, do you recommend people make that step or is it just another path that you could take? I think it just, uh, to be honest, depends on what one wants at the end of the day. Sometimes uh, a lot of people enjoy a bit more responsibility. Um, and I think what we have, this is, again, my personal opinion, one has to let go of the agenda that it's a transaction. Not everything is a transaction. You know, you, you just because you're doing something doesn't mean you're going to get something back straight away. 
a lot of the times you're doing it for your own personal growth. So if you are doing a bit extra or looking after someone or looking after something doesn't mean that you're going to get something in material return straight away. So you'd have to suspend a lot of your own agenda uh, before you step into those roles. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. And from a you know broader life perspective, that that is good advice. Um, how did you end up in your own practice? So because I was in the area, I... Um, found out about this uh, practice that was being set up in the sense that there was a builder who was looking for a dentist uh, in a newly built suburb. And I found out about it, approached him. And really, I was at the right place at the right time. Um, You know, uh, the practice was set up for me by the builder in terms of its uh, structure it was a great learning experience because um, I got in touch with uh, uh, one of the bigger dental supply companies. Um, they helped me design the practice, the cabinetry. And because it was my first practice, every dollar mattered. And, um, you know, it was I did not want uh, an interior decorator at that time because I didn't want to spend the money. So it was looking at the cabinetry, sitting with the cabinet makers design looking at different designs so it was a great process i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. so starting up um, from scratch would you recommend that to people or considering the market in the way it is now is it more of a, a difficult time i think it depends again on everybody's uh, personal situation if you're really strapped for cash or you know uh, financially it doesn't it's not something that's viable yeah definitely do that but also have the end in mind. And that's something I probably did not do at that time is, you know, where do you want to be and really sort of see where do you want to be at the end of it? I think with my practice personally, we were lucky again, because uh, as soon as I started it, we were busy straight away. I was very, very fortunate. So I could have actually gone ahead with more rooms and more people straight away. Wow. Is that because it was a new development? It Just was, a really good yeah. location? Absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. was a new location. Yeah. which is not yeah, possible in Melbourne anymore. <laughs> yeah, they don't come up every they day. They don't come and up. And if they do, there's a lot of people looking for them. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, so just to um, kind of touch on what you just said, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're doing a startup, are you suggesting you actually need a bit more of a cash flow, uh, sorry, um, a runway, so to speak, as opposed to purchasing? And therefore, if you're in a bit more of a tighter financial situation, that might not be smart. Yeah, and it's okay to sort of, you know, um, not use an interior decorator. All you have to do is you just have to invest more time. Yeah, 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 it's time for money. And ask, <laughs> ask. Um, it's amazing how many people will come to our help if uh, once we ask them. So it's going to different companies and uh, who will supply you the chair will actually help you with your interior decoration. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Or talk to different before. dentists and, you know, uh, ask around with uh, some of the reps. Uh, there's so many people and this world is full of really, really helpful people. We just don't ask enough, I think. I agree with that. It's like what I've learned from this podcast is that, you know, every person you reach out to, you know, they're just so nice and willing to help for, you know, not just through the podcast, but then other people in different situations. It's, it is a general rule, but we often don't ask the question. And I think that's where people, they don't get much mentorship, but they don't make it easy to be mentored and they don't ask and then they don't get it. Um, So one practice, how did that turn into three? So after a while, I decided, okay, you know, this is, um, I've, well, I worked really hard in that practice. First of all, I worked seven days a week, long hours. I was uh, initially doing my 
um, you, you know, I knew the reception at the tip of my fingers. I knew the stereo really well. I was pretty much everything in everyone. Um, and over time, because we were getting busy, I uh, we put on new staff. A few years later, um, I thought, okay, this is the time to sort of venture in and venture out a bit more. Um, and we did. We acquired another practice. And then, um, and it's just about, I think it's making sure that you are comfortable in um, being able to expand. You're not just acquiring a practice because it's the thing to do or because somebody else on Facebook has two practices or five practices and this is how it should be. It's about whether you can do it because I think uh, I used to um, coach a lot of dentists as well. So talking to different dentists and um, I still get a lot of uh, messages and a lot of uh, people contacting me that, you know, I want two or three practices, but I want to work part time. Sometimes it's just not possible. And sometimes you can actually be a lot more comfortable owning just one practice and having a good quality of life instead of putting in, you know, 300 to 600,000 into another practice. If you were to put 200,000 in your own practice, you may have better growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I guess that really comes back to the true business um, side of dentistry. It's nothing to do with the dentistry side, and that's something we generally don't have a great idea on. And yeah, so obviously we we connected through Dr. Jesse Green. Obviously, if anyone's listening who doesn't know his podcast and it has any interest in business or self development, needs to check it out. Um, and you did some coaching. He was a great through. mentor. He is a great mentor, actually, <laughs> and he's a good friend now. And I learned a lot from Jesse, not just about. Um, the business side of things just about looking after myself as well um, yeah i'm fortunate enough to say the same so that's really nice now um so you've you've built like this amazing you know business and life but at the same time you know you've been able to have a family let's get into that because i want to talk a lot about family and, and balance and a lot of people listening they're either you know they're planning one day they want to have family how does that fit into this field or they're like maybe like me i've got a two and a half year old and my wife's 25 weeks pregnant so um you know how do you thank you um how do you you know balance that so where did your kids and family come in to this journey do you know as much as i had planned the rest of my life with my kids i didn't plan much i mean i knew when i wanted my child and we were sort of we planned that but uh when i had my daughter who's uh, nearly nine um, I took it one day at a time. And that was probably the best thing I did for myself. I did not need to read a lot of self-help books and, you know, childbearing books because um, they come with their own personality and they come with their own little, um, you know, a person, um, little things. So um, with, the, with my pregnancy itself, touch wood, everything sort of ran smoothly. But I made sure that I had people on board um, beforehand. So I had planned it. And that was probably actually another reason for me, um, you know, building up my own practice because I wanted to make sure there was an income stream uh, when I did take time off or if I were to work part time. So for that, you have to let go of a few things, you know, Um, and I was, again, fortunate enough. I had a good uh, associate on board. Um, I pretty much uh, took on a therapist uh, as well in the practice, which helped, again, uh, diversifying things. And, and not everything was reliant upon me. Um, and when I had my daughter, we um, I had about six weeks off. So I didn't wow, have much. That's very short. Yeah, yeah I was pretty much back at the lot. practice within three to four weeks looking at some admin stuff. Again, because the practice was new, it was still a baby. Um, and that was okay for me. I didn't mind that. 
So, you know, I think you just have to find your balance. Um, so my daughter, I wasn't completely just stuck to my daughter uh, at that point, And I was okay with that. So you can either be a really successful business owner, I feel, or you could, you know, be mother of the year. So you can't just be both straight away. Something has to give. Yeah, we only have so much time. Absolutely. And that's both of those things, you know, our, our real babies and our business baby. Absolutely. They, they take a lot of time. Absolutely. So I was uh, very fortunate because I had my parents around and my mother-in-law. So I trusted them or I, you know, uh, utilized their help. And, uh, and with that, of course, again, you have to let go of some of the control. So if there are certain things that they're, you know, that they're used to, it's okay. You can't sort of dictate that this is how my child will be um, looked after, which is unfair to them, to be honest. So I just, yeah, I just took as much help as I could. Do you think um, you could have done what you did going back early and all the rest of it, you know, without them or like, and I'm trying to, what I'm thinking about now is, you know, trying to paint that picture for the person who, you know, lots of different circumstances and what might they expect and what different experiences might we have? Yeah. So I would, I would have, I would have either asked my husband to work from home. That would have been one thing or depending on the financial situation, of course, or I would have uh, asked, uh, I would have utilized help of a nanny. Hmm. Hmm. Or not yeah, that, that's another thing. Yeah, bringing in bringing in help to allow you to continue um, the business ownership. What what if you what about it as an associate? Because that's obviously very different and difficult as an associate, um, where you don't have that income stream because you don't have the business. Do you, do you have any thoughts around that or any advice you may be able to give there? So generally, what I say to a lot of my associates, and there have been some that have come and gone as well, is make yourself so good with your work that you should be able to work part-time. I don't think as an associate you should be working long-term. Initially, when you're you're out, work as much as you can to get your experience. But afterwards, you should be good enough and you should be successful enough to work uh, three to four days a week because mentally that's really important as well. So, you know, sometimes it's just making sure that you've got some sort of a specialty that you could sort of concentrate on be it sleep medicine or um you know um orthodontics or whatever it is that you're able to sustain yourself a bit more financially and then also giving up on the fact that you know yes i'm not working two days a week extra but that's okay um and you know that's time spent with my family you can't have everything you can't have everything exactly. COVID something that um, I was already tending that w- way to do to go to four days clinically, but COVID really made me think. Oh, gee, like it's a, it was a no brainer for me. You know, young young family, young daughter, and um, having that time. But then, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I hear you saying is, as an associate in four days, if we're working efficiently, doing certain level of treatment, good communication, good dentistry, we can actually still earn very much enough money and have that life that's balanced instead of burning ourselves out with five, five and a half. Absolutely. I agree. And I think, to be honest, if you're a good associate and if you're earning, if you're being very efficient, you're better off. This is controversial, but I do feel that you're better off being an associate, taking your money, finishing your job, going home and not having the headache. With the way um, the market is at the moment and looking at the market, you're better off doing that than trying to build up a practice. Um, you know, you, you you get more quality time with your family. That's the thing. I can, you know, I started a podcast, but at the same time, I can 
at five or five thirty whenever I get out of practice. I don't I don't own my practice that I work in. I am an associate, and and I do have the fortunate ability to leave the HR matters to others. Absolutely. And, and I think it's easy to look at just the bright side of practice ownership and forget about the challenges, um, the time challenges and all, all the rest of it that goes in. Absolutely. And I think, as I said, one has to do their um, maths properly. Um, sometimes, as we said, it is you're better off uh, making that 39 38 or 40%. And if you're really good, you know, 42%. Um, and um, sort of uh, having that take home and go- have a good accountant, <laughs> you know, have a good financial planning, and you'll find that this is better off. You're better off financially because by the time you've had a practice, you've uh, um, there's a lot of overhead expenses, and if the practice is not going well enough, you'd be surprised how many people just end up with a lot less money in hand. Um, so you know, financially, one would be better off as an associate in a good practice in a busy practice. Yeah, exactly. You've got to be busy as the associate. What what advice do you have for balance? You obviously, you know, wear a few hats being, you know, mom, family, um, practice owner and clinician. How do you balance your time? Well, it's a constant struggle, to be honest. It's never, it's never perfect. Let me just put that out first of all. Um, you know, there are times when I have to give more time to the practice. Um, so there will be weeks where I'm um, constantly at the practice, uh, practices. Um, and there will be times where I've got enough time to just sort of take a break from the from my dental work. Um, so it's 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 like any life cycle; it's up and down. Uh, but generally, I feel for myself, uh, you know, and everybody again has different uh, sort of goals. My uh, main criteria is how much money is enough. So if I was to work full time, I would have a lot more money in my bank account definitely because I'm very good at what I do <laughs> but uh, you know um, it's not something that I'm that I want at the moment it is uh, I would want to take time off mentally it makes me feel better and when I'm in the, the practice and when I'm looking after my patients I'm a lot um, I, I look after them a lot more when I'm working part-time so at this point that's my balance and that's my happy place to just be working part-time and to be able to look after my family because I'm able to be present in both. And that's very important uh, because we could be at the practice, we could be working five days a week, but are we really there? I think one has to ask a question or if you're spending a lot of time with the children, are we actually present? Mm-hmm. Which is so important. It's easy to be with your kids, but then your mind's with your practice or with something else, and and that's it's easy to slip into that. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm with my children, I I actually uh, allocate some time properly, and I actually make sure that you know I've planned something with them, and that's their time, and I'm actually completely present with them. Well, speaking of balance and time, do you have any ways or tips for doing that? Are you quite structured? As much as Jesse would have liked me to be structured, no. <laughs> we worked on that for a long. Then I realized that's my normal though. That's me, you know. So again, I think you don't have to conform to something because it's a cookie cutter idea. Um, yes, it's great to be structured. So I found my own structure, which suits my personality. So um, I found that I'm a morning person with certain things when it comes to my admin tasks and my um going to the gym, for example. So I will wake up earlier in the morning and uh, go to the gym and then go to the practice. 
Um, with my children, I find that, uh, you know, I've spent a lot more time with them after school or um, sometimes over the weekend in a certain slot over the weekend, sort of afternoonish time. That's my most productive time with them. So I will organize it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, do what works best for you. It's funny because just um, just recently I was talking with Jesse and we were laughing at the fact that all the self help gurus say you got to get up early and do a million things in the morning and be you know amazing by seven a.m. and we're both the opposite. So um, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. don't have to fit into the cookie cutter. You don't have to. Whatever works well for you. Some people are more productive at night, so and that's okay. You may want to do your own thing at night. And sometimes for me personally, I. Uh, I I think I try to rebel um, and get away from a structure. So I may have a certain routine for a while and I'll just get away from it and do something completely different. And that's okay. I just, after so many years, I've come to accept that's okay. And don't beat yourself up on it. Mm. This is how I should be. There's no should be. Yeah. That's really that's really good advice, and I guess it keeps it fresh too, and and that's what it's works. Just a, um, it's just yeah. a personality. Some people really enjoy a certain structure and a certain routine, and that's okay as well. I see a lot of people who, um, you know, either talking about having family, maybe maybe pregnant, or maybe maybe have the young kids, but they also have ex- you know extremely high goals. Let's be honest, as dentists, we're generally high achievers. With uh, we're never happy. We're always looking for that next um, goal. I know this, it's a very personal question for each of those people thinking about these things, but is that always entirely possible? I know we're, we're touching on similar topics, but what are your thoughts around that when people want to do everything? I think one has to ask oneself. Again, I th- it may get a bit fluffy here for some people or <laughs> um, and very, um, very non-dental, but I think one has to ask why. What is your why? Uh, you really have to sit down with yourself as a nice friend. And we tend to be very hard on ourselves as dentists, or you're not good enough. Why did you not do this? And, you know, you could have done this filling. I mean, starting from a filling, you could have done this better, or I could have, um, you know, designed that crown better to, you know, I could have earned more or I could have uh, done more courses. You know, it's just constant um, self-badgering that we do. I can have a bigger house. Just look at these people on social media who are doing so well. Um, so I think one has to, and why, why, why is the question really? Why do you want to do more? Why do you want to um, achieve more? Is it because it will feel, make you feel more important? Is it because it will make you feel more um, grounded? Is it because it will make you feel happier? Or is, you know, so that why is important. And one of my mentors, uh, as I was telling you earlier, is Etsko. And I really liked what he said at one point, that satisfaction, that, um, you know, self-satisfaction um, and uh, the calmness or the achievement uh, or the sense of peace has to come from inside. You should you should not expect it from your workplace. You should not expect it from, uh, you know, your financial gains. You should not expect it from your dentistry even, you know. You're a great dentist because you're at peace. You're a great dentist because you are um, confident. You are a great dentist because um, you know you're happy within yourself, not the other way around. Dentistry will not make you happy. I really love that, and I think these things, you know, you say, "Oh, it's not so dental," but no, this is so important. This is the stuff that um, is philosophical and. Um, you know, important concepts that we often forget or, or lose track of. And I had a podcast just recently with um, um, 
two dentists who were talking about mindfulness and we um it really made me realize that i but very much down that track and then been completely off that track um, and it's easy to lose your path you clearly this is important these philosophical topics and and points are important to you. i've heard you speak on them before where do you think that inspiration comes from and and how do you learn a lot of what you know i think through a lot of mistakes <laughs> so a lot of mistakes and a lot of all crap moments <laughs> And a lot of uh, checking in on myself and, uh, you know, there was something that was just not sitting right with me over time. And I was um, in that, um, uh, what's the word for it? You can edit this out, sorry. Um, in the rut, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, you're like a um, mouse in that wheel, really. Uh, I need to get this. I need to do this. I need more practices. I want more houses. I want this. I want that. Um, and you're constantly doing this. This is not a good place to be. And I'm being very honest here. And all of us, a lot of us do that. I get so many phone calls. Just uh, two days ago, I was talking to somebody who wanted to spend more time with their children and at the same time wanted to practices and, you know, uh, were not happy with the way things were running. And they were doing really well. So um, I think that's when I started looking at working really within myself from myself and within myself so um and you're a great boss and you're a great teammate um i think if you're coming from the right place and coming from a good place so you have to fix yourself up first and it's not and nobody's perfect really it's a constant process um and as i was saying earlier when we were chatting is that you know as dentists again we want immediate results and a lot of things are ne- things are knee jerk reactions if i do this this will be fine you know it's not it's uh it's un- uh, unfortunately or fortunately things are a lot slower when it comes to our mindset and uh, the universe around us and things around us so it's being consistent and it's being um being patient so it's small little steps that you take towards uh, working on yourself that helps. Yeah, as you said, we're, we're used to learning things and learning them quickly, but then these things take a lot of time and it's consistent. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. you, you made a few good points. Like, um, you know, look at these things as a nice friend to yourself. You know, you've been kind to yourself. You said start with the end in mind, Stephen Covey quote, if I'm not mistaken, and then um, start with why which is um, Simon Sinek. And these are all, you know, really iconic personal development. Um, You know, I've read all of these things myself and I've found great personal learning from them. And I think without them, I would not be where I am and I'm nowhere, you know, (laughs) I'm only a few steps down my journey. But uh, so clearly that's had a big impact for you. Has personal development been a big part of your learning and your journey? Absolutely. Look, I wouldn't say that I'm one of the richest dentists in Australia. I've got a great, I've got great practices and, you know, we are comfortable and it's all good. But at the same time, I just find that I'm a lot more at peace with myself. And again, it's a constant process. There'll be days where you'll really go into self-doubt again. So, you know, I'm not sitting there like a Buddha and, (laughs) you know, uh, utopia, but there are days when it's hard. But uh, generally, I just think I'm kinder to myself. And because of that, I am, um, and, you know, again, I could be wrong, but I do feel that I'm a nicer uh, person to be around. (laughs) I'm sure there'll be days where my staff beg to differ and my (laughs) associates beg to differ. (laughs) But I just find that um, 
the way I'm uh, talking to people and the way I'm looking at things, my perception has changed a lot. It's a lot less about personal gain and immediate result. Um, and I'm coming, um, and again, uh, you know, I could be sort of uh, digressing here and I could sound so philosophical, but it is, uh, I just feel that I am so blessed um, in everything and my um, and I'm coming from a place where the cup is really full and spilling over. So, you know, that's where I'm approaching people. And I have things that I can give. And they were not mine anyway. You know, this practice has been, as has happened. It is my hard work, yes, but I'm fortunate enough to have it. And, and, and the IP, uh, it's very controversial, but a lot of things you know, they have been given to me by the universe. I'm very happy to share. That's, I really, really love that, like gratefulness and then giving and all these things that actually make us, you know, better if we forget about success and just do these things, like look after ourselves and our, you know, friends, our family, our patients, our life then falls into place. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the right thing to do, right? So it's it's about the, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think you've hit the nail on the head is that don't chase the success or the end result because success will be there. The, again, you know, universe is there to support you. Everything that's happened is has always been in your favor. If you look back at your life, everything has happened. Um, even though you thought it was bad at the time, it was character building for you. So, uh, so don't chase the end because... Let go of the end because that's a lot of the time not in your control and in your limited control. Let the universe handle that, but you just look after the journey and be do the right thing at every step. Um, that's really important. And I know I probably sound like somebody who's written the book, The Secret, or, you know, uh, but it's tried and tested for me personally. And doing the right thing does not always mean that being a doormat and letting people walk all over you or being super generous because that's when you become quite resentful. Sometimes doing the right thing also means having the courage to speak up and uh, sort of, uh, and that's been my challenge personally is having the courage to sort of say when it is not right or, you know, when you don't want to do it, when you can't do it. And again, it comes from the right person. So if somebody for me, um, if there is a corrective measure for a team member or um for uh, you know an associate or something, you'd have to have the the courage to just talk to them and um, counsel them because it's in their own interest, not because you have to get something out of it. So I think it's just really, really important to get that uh, clarity. You're not telling them something because you don't like it. It's what's the right thing to that's, do. That sums it up perfectly. That's really, uh, I think, such important things. And it, uh, it's so easy for people to, th- you know, you listen to something. If you're not interested in working on your own thought processes and, and personal development, it might sound wishy-washy, but it's actually fundamental to, to everything. Uh, I really like the way you put that. Something I've heard you talk about a little bit is, is giving back and giving and um, in different, lots of different ways from what I've heard. But I want to just bring up we we do we with Dental Head Start we're trying to um, encourage giving and we we give a little bit uh, for every listen and for every share we try to um, give something. Um, first things first, I want you to just maybe choose a topic that you think just off the top of your head, and we're going to use that for our next month's giving project. Is there a topic that you would like to give to, and you know what does giving mean to you, and where is you built that into your life? Okay, so giving I think is. Again, um, 
it's in different stages. Sometimes giving away money to charity is quick and easy and, you know, um, sort of a standard thing, which is perfectly fine. And at times that's all you can do. And that's okay as well, because there, um, uh, your priorities are that you, you know, your children may need more of your time and, um, and that comes first. That's okay. Um, and then sometimes uh, when things have settled down a bit or when you do have more time or when you feel that, okay, now I can give some time, um, that I think is also uh, quite important. And, you know, one may come, one may think that you're giving something, but in fact, I think it just is so good for your own soul and your own mindset as well. A lot of the times when we have been in projects where we have saved, spent time with uh, underprivileged or um, somebody who needed some help, I've come out of it on a high. And I think that's been more helpful for me personally as well. So it's little things, really. It's uh, Sometimes it's as simple as mentoring somebody or letting them come in and helping them out with their little task. It's your teammates who needed just to sit down and talk to you. Um, you know, and you've noticed that something's not right. It's your patient. It's listening to them and spending that extra five minutes just letting them rant. And, um, you know, it's 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 a small little things. Um, giving doesn't have to yeah, be ostentatious. Yeah. There's a million different ways. And it's it's more of a... Absolutely. It's the smile. It's, it's just letting something slide. You know, if somebody's in a bad uh, mood and you can understand that they've been under pressure or something, don't. Uh, let your ego get hurt and react just let it slide and that's, that's, that's giving really too. lovely actually really lovely um is there a topic that you um yeah want to to uh, suggest that we um find to give to for this month towards either towards children's education or health awesome we'll definitely look for something um so I want to start to wrap things up a little bit and ask a few questions that are, are pretty, um, you know, pretty similar. We may have covered them in some ways, but I want you to think about those, the students and graduates, younger dentists that are listening, um, what advice you can give them. And I, I think obviously you run a few practices and therefore you have a number of associates and you've seen many come and go. Um, what are some of the mistakes you see younger dentists making? Um. Again, I've been there, done that with them. So, you know, I've, I was one of them completely. There are times where you just want immediate quick results um, and you see these people doing this amazing dentistry or these uh, books that are completely full straight away or this practice where the staff are at your beck and call, for example. Nothing is perfect and be patient with it. So everything is a learning experience. So... You know, if your books are not full, for example, um, question yourself, what can you do to build it up? It's not about um, the, and I get a lot of associates as well talking to me about it, um, not just my practice, some other practices as well is, you know, um, they're not treating me right or my books are not full. Uh, what is it that you're doing? Just sit down. And I think a lot of it has changed uh, within us. Uh, it's just the... Uh, the consumerism um, has, you know, sort of uh, gotten to us where we want everything and we want to sort of get immediate results. So it's really just sit down and just sort of see what you get. Can you add to it? What can you help with? So if the books are not full, what can you do about it? If the staff are not being helpful, for example, what can you do about it? Or is it really that important at the moment within that situation? Maybe uh, the practice is short staff. Maybe, uh, you know, somebody is having an issue. So is it okay if you can just do your own changeover from time to time? Uh, it's the little things. Um, you know, if uh, 
there hasn't been much communication. Have you tried it? Have you actually gone and approached uh, the practice manager or the owner and just sat down with them nicely rather than sitting there and waiting for them to discuss certain things with you? Um, if they are giving you ideas or if they are giving you certain uh, pointers, take them in and it's okay. You know, uh, I think we are, um, as dentists, we also have very big egos that we think our feelings are the best and our technique is the best. <laughs> and, you know, we see that enough on our social media as well. Um, it's okay to listen to somebody. And uh, sometimes we get very defensive and our best defense is, oh, but my main concern and my main thing is um, the care of the patient. And I will not compromise on that quality. Uh, I think just a question yourself on that. Is it really that or are you just putting up that defense just so that, you know, you will not um, listen to anything? Mm-hmm. or learn the different process it may learn a different be process. better or worse exactly yeah. so just suspend the judgment for a little bit uh, i think that's fantastic advice um say say you're in, um, there's an associate out there thinking oh my books aren't that busy and i'm not doing anything about it um what, what little things um could you suggest to them what things do you think you that could help communication hmm. communication hmm. communication and just spending uh giving the patients the value um and that's a pearl that i learned from jesse uh, is just having that appointment that's full of value for them. Just because they've come in with a very small chip, for example, that you've just polished off and yep. you're thinking, oh, I did not uh, make enough money in that appointment. Set, sit down with them, take some intraoral photos, look at you know the rest of their mouth a little bit, educate them a bit, mm. put that value in them. You don't, you don't know that may patient may book in for a full exam down the track and that's what they should do really. Mm. Uh, but you know um, they will come back. So you need to spend time, you need to educate them you need to build their dental IQ and uh, and it's all about the verbal skills. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it's funny, we come back to Jesse, um, his book, Retention, which is basically on this yeah. entire topic. Um, it's, you know, maybe five, seven, eight years old now, but it's fantastic content that I think people should definitely get their hands on. Uh, one of the concepts I think I learned from that is that um, like – patient comes in and they just have that little chip that you polish like the next step it's it's really the it is up to us actually to make sure they understand that the next step really is a checkup to make sure nothing else is going wrong and absolutely you got the patient out of pain fantastic but do they know that they actually you know there might be other things or what's the next step always having the next step definitely came from yeah. and what's in it for them so come in come from the point where how is it beneficial for your patient? But also another thing that I've learned from Jesse and uh, actually Kenneth Lee, what he says is, you know, don't look at the small window, look at the whole building. So just don't look at that one dude, look at the whole mouth, look at the whole patient and do comprehensive planning, keeping the end in mind and communicate to that patient. So you will find that you are doing a lot more comprehensive dentistry rather than sometimes, you know, and I use you again, getting very dent, becoming very dental, but sometimes it's that one or two crowns will not cut it. You know, yes, it looks very productive straight away, but sometimes it's okay. Look at the whole bite, look at the whole structure, what is happening, working with that slowly. And, you know, you not only are doing the right thing, you're also, it's more productive for you down the track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is win-win in the end, um, but the patient needs to understand. Yeah, they're fantastic points. And it sounds easy. It's like, oh, you know, learn communication and learn comprehensive dentistry and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you build slowly on these foundations to become a great dentist, which makes you busy, which helps the, everybody. Involved. And it's okay to have uncomfortable com- uh, conversation with your patients. So um, some of my most loyal patients and um, 
you know, most, uh, if you even say productive patients, if that's the right word to use, um, have been people who have sometimes come in and stood at the door and been really rude and said, I don't like the dentist. I don't like, you know, what are you doing? Um, you know, I don't take it personally. A lot of the time it is coming from a different place and you just take it as it comes. Sometimes you're just sitting them up and going, look, I'm sensing that there is uh, a bit of anger there, a bit of discomfort. Can you please talk to me and tell me what's going on so that I can look after you better? And that immediately diffuses the situation. That immediately makes them realize that you're on their side. You're there to look after them. Absolutely. I could not agree with that more. Definitely some of my, my favorite patients and patients I've probably done the most dentistry on have been very standoffish at the start, perhaps even coming from other practices and angry and, you know, yes. but no, it's, there's so much more to it. They're, they're, it's coming from a place of anxiety or a place of fear and or different reasons. And those reasons, you know, give them the opportunity to explain it. That's yeah. And it's okay as an associate as well, you know, um, that, you just go a little bit extra. Sometimes it's um, giving them a call on the weekend, uh, you know, of course, from a private number, but just to make sure that they've been okay. Um, it's staying back sometimes to do that extra consult and or just giving them a bit of a free consult just to sit down and spend a bit of time with them. So as I said earlier is, you know, not everything is a transaction um, and uh, you need, you don't need to have a return for everything straight away. It's just look after that person and do the right thing and the money follows. The money is easy to follow. That's the easiest thing. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, so, you, you know, you've done a lot and you're balancing family and, and all these things. Um, tell us about some of the tougher times in this pathway, in this this career you've had and um, what did you do to change that perhaps? Tougher times. Oh, there's been lots and they will always <laughs> be there. <laughs> I think... Uh, you know, times will always be tough. Uh, there's not a single person in this world who will say that they've had an easy ride with everything. Uh, I think what will have to change is your reaction to things. So uh, in my dentistry and in my practice ownership, I have found that if something has not been right, um, you know, you can't just put everything down and go, I can't do this. This is it. I'm quitting. Um, you if something has not been right in your dentistry, for example, you have to just sit down and learn from it. That's the most important thing. Uh, a failure is a failure if you do not learn from it. Uh, you know, um, we do fail and we will fail from time to time. It's what you have to, you have to look at it and learn from it and, you know, try not to do it again, really. And that's been, and it's, it's also, you know, it's also with relationships. It's also with people. It's exactly the same thing. It's really looking within yourself and seeing where could you have improved and where can you improve in the future. Because mm. we can only act on ourselves and our circle of influence. And Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, so, you know, things are always up and down, um, uh, even within the practice and outside. There's always challenges that come in, but I have just found that uh, my reaction to them have changed quite a bit. It takes a lot of a lot more to frazzle me now. I still get frazzled, though. <laughs> Yeah, a COVID shutdown um, for the third time is a, a, a bit of fun. Oh, we are very prepared for it now. We know exactly what to say to our patient and we know exactly what to do, you know, within this time. The first time um, I will share with you, the first time there was a shutdown, everybody panicked, including me. I gave myself two days to feel really bad and really sad. And then I said, that's it. Okay, I've done my bit of feeling sad and feeling bad. That, again, is a normal emotion. Let's see what we can do about it now. So 
Yeah, I love it. That's the way forward. So the last question, um, and I ask this for everyone. Now, it can be anything from um, philosophical um, points or dental points or any little tip, but I want you to imagine you're talking to everybody who's going to graduate this year. So they're all the graduating dentists and they're going to go into public or private practice, um, fresh, very green. What is one thing that you could teach or would like to teach every single one of them, one point, one tip or one topic? Oh, um, easy. I would say work really hard um, and, you know, look at up, upskilling yourself and, um, and again, suspend the judgment. So just learn, learn whatever you can, just learn away. Um, and, and, you know, and that also means it comes sometimes uh, at an expense of uh, your social life sometimes or uh, a bit of discomfort where you have to, for example, travel a bit more to, for that job. And that's okay. Just do it. Um, you know, um, we can't be, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The last statement, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. I apply that to many things I do in my life. Um, and it's, it's always definitely served me well, unless sometimes in snowboarding, you push yourself too hard, but (laughs) yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's, it's again, it's sort of checking in with yourself. Yeah, that's it. Well, um, Dr. Aisha Ajaz, I want to say thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and everything on a Saturday, a family day really, but at the same time, I really appreciate your time and I'm sure all the listeners do as well. Thank you, David. You've made me feel very comfortable as well. So it was a a fun session chatting with you actually. (laughs) Thank you. It's that time of year again. Before June 30, we have to renew our indemnity insurance. And when I look for an insurer, I'm looking for someone who's going to be there when I need their help. They're going to act fast and they're going to be by my side so I can practice with confidence. I get all of that from Dental Protection Limited. What I love about them is that they're more than just an insurer. They're actually here to help us, to give us content and support us with medical legal situations and most importantly, help us avoid these situations. The content they produce is the best content out there from an insurer like them. Renewal notices are out in May. To make sure you get all of these added benefits, sign up by June 30. I can say from personal experience, when you need help, you'll be glad you're with Dental Protection Limited. Thank you, Dental Protection Limited, for supporting me in my career and the Dental Head Start podcast. Dr. HS for such an insightful talk on running a business and managing life outside of dentistry. I know it's definitely something in the back of my mind. Hi everyone, welcome back to Erica's Corner where I keep you in the loop with our giving project, the Dental Spotlight and any other events. Last month's giving project was dedicated to the COVID relief projects in India to help send much needed PPE. We reached over 8,000 listens and 70 shares last month, which is over double our usual number. So thank you all so much for your support. That's how we grow and how we get the word out about Dental Head Start. And so, as promised, we'll be donating $150 to the cause. I know it might just be a small drop in the ocean and I know it's cheesy, but hopefully our actions encourage you to join in as well. And through all our little drops, collectively we can create a wave of difference. Last Monday, I spent the day volunteering as a student with Filling the Gap, which is ADA NSW's charity that provides pro bono dental treatment for vulnerable people who are otherwise unable to access mainstream oral health services. It was such a great experience to work in a different environment and meet some new people. And so this month, we want to dedicate our donations to the program. If you want to give back in your own way and help those who are otherwise overlooked, Filling the Gap is always looking for volunteers to help out in their clinics, adopt a patient or run pain relief rescue days in your own office. 
If you want to know more, tune into episode number 38 where we interview Kate Miranda, who's currently the board director of this fantastic initiative. Otherwise, visit www.fillingthegap.org.au to find out more or register your interest. And now for today's Dental Spotlight, we have a very special feature. Perhaps you've seen his budding Insta page. He's out there killing the game and doing phenomenal things for someone who's just a few years out. Dr. Lawrence Jones graduated from Adelaide University in 2017 and is currently completing his Master's in Clinical Dentistry with a focus on fixed and removable prosthodontics. He's part of the ADA NSW's recent graduate committee and is the events coordinator of our one and only favourite directory, CPD Junkie. Check him out at Dr. Lawrence Stone on Instagram to see all his cases. Thank you for sharing your journey with us, Lawrence, and keeping us in the loop with all the latest CPD events. If you want a shout out in our next feature interview, all you got to do is share our content and tag us. You can take a screenshot and Insta story what you're listening to or repost any of our posts. It's all about building the Dental Head Start community and supporting each other in the best way possible. That's it from me today. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com start to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.